comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Previously on Out Now with Aaron and Abe. All right, let's let's try this out. Han Solo. Uh, Pavel Chekhov. Luke Skywalker. Mm-hmm. James T. Kirk. Princess Leia. Uh, Deanna Troy. C-3PO. Ooh, Commander William Riker. Darth Vader. Uh, Worf. You see, I'm telling you, they're all porn names. Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, in a car! <laughs> uh, good to have Abe on a, on a regular show at the right time this, this week. That's, that's, a, that's a change it's, of pace. It's actually, it's actually good to be back. There you go. Out Now is a film podcast with Abe and I discussing new movies weekly. We also bring in discussion about the latest movie trailers, box office results and predictions, a callback to past films similar to the main film of the week, games, and other fun stuff. This is episode 104, 104, 104. I said it twice and three times then. I don't know why, but I did. And we are talking this week about Star Trek Into Darkness, the latest Star Trek film from director J.J. Abrams. And joining us to discuss Star Trek Into Darkness, we have from now from Forbes, uh, the man who planned to get caught the whole time, Scott Mendelson. Thank you. Always a pleasure. From Just Seen It, a woman with more piercings than a Klingon that owns a motorcycle bar, Brenna Smith. Hello. <laughs> How's everyone doing? I'm doing um, well. I'm better after that introduction. That was hey, awesome. Yes. Okay, good. Can and I put that on my business cards? You, yeah, a woman with four piercings and a cling on that owns a motorcycle bar. That, yeah. That rolls off the tongue. That was easy. It to does. Say. Oh, my God. All these tongue twisters. I normally have to say that one just, like, comes out. Anyway, um, let's see. Uh, yeah, we're talking about Star Trek in the week this week. But uh, let's do a little... Well, let's get a little uh, announcements out of the way. I'm going to continue to emphasize this for the next couple weeks, probably. But iTunes, we are we have, obviously we had some issues with iTunes uh, a couple weeks ago, but we're back on iTunes, and arguably better than ever. And uh, but our we were kind of put back to status to back to kind of square one with in terms of re- reviews and ratings. And we've gotten some. It's been very awesome to get some new reviews and ratings. But you know we are we. We are lower than we were before we dropped out of iTunes, so um, it'd be great to get those going back. It's been something's been help, helping us because we're, we were on the new and noteworthy section of the iTunes page, which is which was neat. It's nice to so anyone that's you know new listening to the show, you know, welcome. But uh, yeah, iTunes reviews and ratings really would help us out here. We're really pleased to get them, and you know, happy for all the listeners that help us out. Uh, let's see what else here. Uh, contest. Um, we've had a contest going uh, since our 100th episode to design a banner, a banner pick for our, for our Facebook and Twitter page, and it'd be... We've had a couple couple submissions, and one one's really good, but... Um, they look pretty good. Yeah, we're keeping that one open until the end of May, and the winner of that gets a, a really fancy prize package that I have ready to, ready to ship out. But um, yeah, keeping that open. So email us at uh, outnowpodcast at gmail or uh, put it on our on the Facebook page, whatever. We'll uh, we'll find it. Where Abe and I will choose accordingly which one we think is the best. 
Also, I announced this last week, but this week, you know, it makes more sense. Star Trek contest. I have a very large Star Trek in the Darkness poster. I don't need it. I'm going to give it away. Oh, give it to me! (laughs) (laughs) Are we going to autograph it? Just give it to me. Don't offer it to these peons. I I have to, because that's how I roll. I I offer awesome things like this. You you enter the contest under an assumed name, and then you will win the poster. See that? Offer it. Just offer it to me. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, I have (laughs) the Star Trek contest is open. It's the, it's really simple, actually. Who is your favorite Star Trek character and why? Email your answers over to outnowpodcast.gmail.com or send it, you know, right on Facebook or something. Maybe and I will choose discerningly from which one we think is the best answer. And, uh, <laughs> do, do characters from Galaxy Quest count? I got you, Brenna. Yes. If, there, you. if there's a compelling argument wait, made wait. for a Galaxy Quest character, I'd go for it. Never give up. Never surrender. By Gramthar's Hammer. Best Star Trek movie ever. <laughs> But yeah, let's uh, let's let's get into it. Let's get to know everybody now. Let's uh, still little know everybody. Where we each week we ask each other a few questions, try to set the tone for the podcast. Better get to know everybody. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna let <laughs> I'm gonna let Scott start this one off this week since he's always prepared for this segment. I'm never prepared for this segment, <laughs> and you know that, which is why you're making me start first. How humiliating. Anyway, uh, Brenna, since I'm not prepared for this segment, oh. uh, favorite odd numbered Star Trek film. Oh, you ass. <laughs> uh, three, because it was directed by Nimoy. Fair enough. Is that the, is that the whales? No, that's uh, Search for Spock. Oh, The Voyage Home was also directed by Nimoy. Mm-hmm. How many did Nimoy direct? Uh, two. Yep. Did Kirk direct any? No, yes. thanks God. No, no, he, he directed he Final did. Frontier. Oh. Which yeah, I think is yeah. slightly underrated, simply because... It's trying to be interesting. That it doesn't quite work, well, at least it tried. Yeah, it's one of those ones I've blocked from my memory. <laughs> it's not that bad. Mm-hmm. Did George Takai direct any? Uh, no. Ah, all right. Oh, my. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, Aaron. Yes. So, Noel Clark, who plays Mickey from Doctor Who, was in <laughs> yeah. Star Trek. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> Obviously. Clearly. Plus- What's your favorite obscure cameo? Uh, obscure cameo, let's see. First one that shot to mind was Charlton Heston in Wayne's World 2, of course. Mm. Is it two or one? No, it's two, right? Yes. Yeah, it's two. That's that's a pretty pretty great cameo. And that's obscure, too. Like, you're giving up random cameos that were like, hey, that person does belong in this movie. But obscure ones, I'm going to just go with that one, because that's the one I can think of right away. Um, okay. Right. Abe. Yeah. What is worse, and this is, I just for sure don't know the answer to this question at all because I don't know Trek stuff. Uh, what's worse, a Klingon or a Romulan? Uh, I, like, are you asking the kind of like in an in a objective way or what? <laughs> like, I, I think that Romulans are worse objectively because Klingons are kind of war fighty and whatever, but Romulans are kind of like. A spinoff of hum- – don't get me wrong, people. I, I have no idea, but they're kind of like advanced humans or something like that, and they're, they're just very wicked. I don't know. I'm just – I mean, I actually – I'm just happy to know that they're not the same thing, and I'm making an ass of myself. I'm going to say Oompa Loompas. <laughs> <laughs> they're the worst. They're orange. They're short. They'll get you. Uh, but I think really – I don't know. Toss-up? I don't know. Well, Worf is a – He's he's nice, but 
I don't know any nice Romulan. What's, what's Worf? A Klingon or a Romulan? He's a, he's a Klingon in uh, the Next Generation TV series. You see that guy with that forehead that's bigger than Chris Pines? Yes. Okay. And it's got waves in it. All right. Uh, Brenna. Yes. Sorry. You, are writing, <laughs> you are writing a, a new space exploration movie. What's the genre, and who do you cast as your main protagonist and main antagonist? Oh, uh, okay. Um, that's very please, be... please say musical. Please say musical. I was going to say gay, but musical works too. <laughs> and it would star Benedict Cumberbatch and Tom Hiddleston. Whoa, mind blown. Yep. My wife would totally buy that movie and watch it all the time. Anybody with a vagina would buy that movie and watch it nonstop. <laughs> yes. It would be, I don't know why it hasn't been done. That would be the top grossing f- film of all time. Directed my- by Pedro Almodovar. <laughs> yeah, my, my wife had a good look at Loki's rock star hairdo in the second Thor. and that's uh, the the Dark World. Oh my god. Thor of <laughs> the Dark World featuring the crow. Yes. Have you seen his, his new movie? Oh, what's it called? He's got a vampire movie coming out. Oh. With, um, Is that that Jarmusch movie? With Ice Queen from Narnia. Uh, Tilda Swinton. Oh, yeah. Love yeah, that's, that's, that's going to make a lot of that's money. The, that's the new yeah. Jim Jarmusch movie, yeah. Because yeah. Jim Jarmusch is blockbuster. That's exactly. Oh, my God. <laughs> Remember, oh, oh my God. The li- limits, of, limits of control. Smash it. <laughs> well, that actually works. She can ogle Idelson, I'll ogle uh, Swinton. Everybody wins. Yes. Everybody uh, does. You're indeed. Up you're up again, Brennan. Okay, uh, so, uh, where'd my question go? Okay, Benicio Del Toro was originally who they had in mind for John Harrison, but he declined. Uh, Abe, what's your favorite instance of almost casting that could have ruined the film, or made it better? <clears throat> oh, that, that, well, uh, I think they had the screenshots with, is it Eric Stoltz for Back to the Future? Um. I think that would have been that would not have been great. It wouldn't not have been as uh, cheeky and fun. I don't think. I mean, they shot it for like six weeks, and they're like, yeah. "Nope, this is not great." Like, nope, <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. So, yeah. Well, I'm glad that they made the decision. Robert Zemeckis and company made the decision to say, "No, thanks. We're Bob. probably going to go with uh, the kid for Family Ties." Bob, Bobby Z. You're not going. Not Nicholas Cage is Aragorn. <laughs> 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 or Nicholas Cage is Superman. If I may, I actually have an answer for that. Go for it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if you watch the DVD, the documentary on the DVD of Star Wars Episode One, there's a, an hour long documentary called like the beginning or something, and you see that he gets the casting of Anakin down to two kids, and it's heartbreaking because the kid he doesn't pick is a much better actor, and you're literally screaming there, no. Pick the kid that can act, not the one that can hit his mark. He no. Poorly. Yes. Uh, that that arguably, and I, I'm a defender of the prequels to a certain extent, but I would say the biggest problem of Phantom Menace is how bad Jake Lloyd is. Yep. Um, and it's not his I, fault. He's too young. He just, you know, when you have a director that can't, doesn't like to direct actors, you need someone that can do it for themselves. The other kid could have. So that, and I want to visit the alternative universe where Antonio Banderas was in Schumacher's Fame of the Opera. <laughs> Aaron, I've got I've got this great question for you. Yeah. Would you rather watch Star Trek Into Darkness again, or 
Ewoks reenacting Steven Spielberg's Lincoln. Well, I mean, that sounds adorable. That's awesome. That's like, well, who would not want to watch that one? That's like, who's the guy that's not? <laughs> I mean, does this mean you can never watch like, Star Trek Into Darkness again? Like, I, <laughs> I, like, I thought you were giving me like some kind of like terrible option. Like, Warwick Davis I, is John Wilkes Booth. Because I would easily watch Star Trek Into Darkness again. But I mean, you gave me no, like, no. You gave if me you like, want. You gave me like an amazing <laughs> option. So it's like, well, who it's would choose? It's so hard. Who would choose? It's not. I mean, who would choose against this? <laughs> like, it's just ridiculous. Of course, I'd watch the Ewoks reenact Lincoln. I'd watch re. I would, I watch Ewoks reenact most things. I watch Ewoks reenact Bound. I well, what about Jawas? <laughs> Bound. What that about Jawas reenacting Lincoln? They're not I very mean, expressive. Yeah, there'd be. Yeah, it, there's not much to go with with Jawas. Okay. I wouldn't want to watch like Gungans either, but yeah, but Ewoks, they're adorable. Like I have nothing against Ewoks at all. So there you go. Um, oh, Scott. Yes. Who should play the whale in the next Star Trek movie? The whale, as in, there's this, Star- there's, there's whales in some Star Trek movie. I assume they oh, talk. Oh, as in the whales in like Star Trek Four, for example. Um, oh, that's Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> um, well, if you need somebody who's vocals and since he doesn't work all that much, uh, James Earl Jones. There you go. <laughs> I don't know. Ellen DeGeneres is a pretty good whale. Um, is that my turn again? Yep. Okay, I'll I'll be lazy and and uh, Abe. Um, favorite Star Trek movie, not counting Galaxy Quest. <laughs> that's my favorite wait, Star wait. Trek movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was gonna say, like that's a that's an awesome movie. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> it's really funny, <laughs> and uh, I love Alan Rickman. I don't know. Yes. <laughs> there's nothing. There's nothing wrong with that movie. But that's not the question, Abe. It's that's what your favorite yeah. Star Trek movie besides that. I've I've heard that uh, Star Trek. Two is like the best Star Trek movie ever. It's like the, from the original cast, and they're kind of talking. It about... sounds like you're saying you haven't seen other Star Trek movies. Uh, yeah, I haven't. I've seen like oh. First Contact and Generations, and yeah, not too many others. So I'm gonna go with so what's your favorite the... Star Trek movie? <laughs> Woo! The animated one. That works. There's, There's an animated one. There's an animated. Is there an animated one? Animated series. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm well, just I am gonna for like a that. year. Uh, I go with first contact there. That works. All right, there we go. All right, and here's a question for everybody. You guys are all given one chance to take something into space and leave it there. What do you take? And we're not talking about, like, stratosphere. We're talking about, like, relatively deep space. When you say leave it there, you mean, like, like it's it's You're going out of spacewalk, and you're just like, here. As in, like, you don't want this anymore? No, as if like you want to, uh, you want to give it for, I guess, extraterrestrials and other beings to see. It's like, oh, so I'm like I'm sending it out. It's almost, like, it's almost like a, a a note in a or a, a, a note in a bottle. You're just, so, yeah, okay. Like, so, so I'm like, you, 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 at first you said just take something out to space and leave it there. Now, now I'm sending it out to something. Okay, so let, I can rethink this. Let me think. Snooky. Snooky. I have a cat that wakes me up a lot at night. That would be tempting to send him to space. You can get rid of Snooky or your cat, and you choose a cat. <laughs> well, Snooky doesn't wake me up by scratching on the on the on the doors at night. She might. Yeah, she's in the wrong area, zip code. Yeah. Um, hmm. That wasn't my real answer, by the way. What's your? <laughs> I'm thinking. Let's see, what would I want to send out there? Obviously, this podcast, Dave. What are you talking about? <laughs> okay. Well, uh, well, you know, you could have gone with the Simpsons reference, and be like, oh, I'm going to send a rod out. An inanimate rod. 
<laughs> it makes a time cover, times cover uh, for the show. Yeah. Now I'm looking around my room. It's like what you want to send out. What I send. Maybe I have I have a uh, in Bioshock. Um, Go on. The little sisters carry around Big Daddy dolls. They're like their heads are like a bas- a baseball. They've got stuff on them. I'd send that out. Let them puzzle over that. I'm trying to confound these aliens. <laughs> like what is this? Well, with Snooky, they'd be like, "What the?" F-? Yeah, but she'd talk back. I want them to be like, <laughs> be the, I want them to like worship it as God. I want to hear their theories on what it is. All right. Well, <laughs> we got our answers, so that's how you play Nova, buddy. Um, let's uh, let's move on down now, quickies. TM. Each week out now, we see one movie to talk about, but there's lots of movies out there that we like to talk about to reference to because there's so many that we don't have time to talk about them in an extended segment. That's why we have a segment called Out Now Quickies. Yep. All of that. Nailed Ooh. it. Nailed it. All right. I don't know. I think do it again. Yeah. Skodrick, have you seen any, any other movies recently? Uh, did you just call me Skodrick? Yes. Fair enough. Okay. Uh, yeah. Obviously, you and I saw Epic on Saturday. Yep. Um, I liked it. Uh, my five-year-old daughter really liked it, so that counts for something. It's gorgeous to look at. The 3D is very nice. Um, it has some decent action sequences. It's relatively inconsequential, though, um, without going into too many details. It is worth seeing if you like animation, and it's worth seeing if you have kids. But other than that, it's not a must-see film. Hmm. I basically um, agree with you on all those points. I did finally see The Company You Keep. A little slow, but really well acted by a huge cast. This is the Robert Redford film? Yes, um, it kind of trails off the end a little bit, but... That's one, that's one with Shia, uh, Shia LaBeouf? Yes. Yep. Yeah. It's very much sort of an old school, we used to take this kind of movie for granted type of movie. Mm. Um, it, you know, you know, five, ten years ago, it would have been a wide release, and it would have made a couple bucks. Um, now, you know, it basically dies in art house, unfortunately. Um, but it's, it's pretty good. Rent it when the time comes. Cool. Uh, Brenna, any movies you can talk about that you'd like to... Um, I don't know. Do you know what I've seen recently? <laughs> Do I? I can't remember. Uh, maybe I should get the title of it right before I talk about it. It's either one Beatles song or another. Somebody else go while I... All you need is the, the love one? Yeah. I can't think of anything else I've talked about. Oh, Iron Man 3? Is that too old? Is that no. Old? You haven't talked about it on this show? Okay. Uh, love is all... All you, need, all you need. There you go. And it's a Danish film starring Pierce Brosnan. And it's very cute. It's a romantic comedy. She's got, I mean, the synopsis sounds awful. And the poster looks horrible. And the tagline is even worse. And you just think this is going to be the worst thing. And it's like a hairdresser who's lost her head of cancer finds out her husband is having an affair with a younger woman. She travels to Italy for her daughter's wedding and meets a widower who still blames the world for the loss of his wife. It sounds awful, but it's actually really good, and I, I think the reasons for that is is the writing. The writing has some amazing characters in it. Every every character, even the minor characters, are complete people. They all have you can know who they are and know about them, and it's um, it's just it's really well done. Half of it's in Danish, mm. um, and Trina Deerholm, who's opposite Pierce Brosnan. I don't, I've never heard of her before, but she's amazing. Uh, she's got the best smile in the world. She also shaved her head for it, which is impressive. I do like a nice smile. Yeah. He's, her her worth. Um, and then I had to talk about Iron Man 3, which I enjoyed, though I had some problems with it. 
Um, I think it was a lot of fun. I think that if you go and pay money to see it, pay $20 or however much it is to get the, the special Iron Man 3D glasses and stuff, you won't regret it. You'll have, it's, it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of amazing action sequences. The villains are a little stupid, but that they're actually something <laughs> that was taken out of the comics. Their powers are not quite, not quite understandable. You don't know what their weakness is and their powers evolve as needed to be able to actually be a threat to Iron Man. It's, um, it's weird how they, just because they have a certain abilities, suddenly they're able to like do parkour so easily. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the same thing happens with Gwyneth Paltrow's character. I'm like, when did she learn to do that? How, how did she know how to do that? But, um, overall, it's just, it's a lot of fun. You won't, you won't be mad if you see it. Hmm. Ready. Abe? Uh, I haven't seen any movies, but I did get, catch up with Veep Season 2. Still good. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, uh, God, I like Veep. I can't wait to watch it after this. Um, <laughs> I've seen, I saw a few things this week. I saw The East. Uh, this is the new film with, uh, Britt Marling, who last year gave us, uh, The Sound of, The Sound of My Voice with the same director, um, Zal Batmanglish. One of the best bat, last names that I know. Batman, because it has Batman in the title. <laughs> um, but yeah, this one stars Britt Marling as kind of a spy who, who, jo- who joins, who infiltrates kind of a, an anarchist collective known as the East, uh, which is dealing with trying to kind of sabotage big companies, big pharma, stuff like that. And the movie, I liked it overall. I wouldn't say I liked it as much as other things I've seen Britt Marling in, including The Sound of My Voice and um, Another Earth. But it works as kind of a low-budget thriller, and it's well-acted. I just wasn't – the story didn't pull it through for me and, and by the time it reached its end. Um, let's see, I saw Mud. This is the new film from Jeff Nichols, who did Take Shelter and Shotgun Stories, but Take Shelter, I really like that movie. Every time I watch that, it gets better. But Mud stars Matthew McConaughey as this kind of drifter named Mud, who kind of meets up these two boys, and the boys kind of help him out. Like he, It's more of a coming-of-age story about these boys who just happen to have Mud featured in it. And this film is also really well-acted. McConaughey is very good, but so is the, the lead, the lead uh, boy in this movie, Ty Sheridan. And it's just this really interesting type story where it follows kind of the it follows certain aspects of a coming of age type story, but it has this this mud character that makes it kind of unique in that way. And it's I try not to spoil these things, but I liked it. I liked it quite a bit. <laughs> and lastly, I saw a movie called Black Rock. And um, let's see, this movie is this movie is from um, Katie Asselton, who whose name you may not know if you watch The League. She is the wife character on The League. Oh, Kevin's um, wife. Kevin's wife, who's actually Mark Duplass's wife in real life. And Mark. Duplass, no way. Mark Duplass wrote the script for this movie, and she stars and directs in it, also with Kate Bosworth and Lake Bell. And it's about these three women that go to an island out in Maine called Black Rock Island, and um, try to have a camping trip. And it kind of turns into Deliverance with Women. That's basically the best way to sum it up. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> the movie is okay. It's a decent thriller. I think it has a lot of issues with it, but I think it, for what it's trying to do overall, it could be better, but it's not bad. So. I forgot one that I'd seen. What? What one? Kings of Summer. Kings of Summer. Oh, yeah. Oh. It was... um. It's alright. It's a little obnoxious because, I mean, anytime you have teenagers being mad at their parents, it's obnoxious. But um, Ron Swanson has an amazing beard in it. He's a man of great facial hair. So. He is. I mean, he, he like can grow it in like a week. Did he? It's, it's did, he did he write it or something? Or like produce it? Or something? 
I'm not Big sure, job. but that would explain why he was in it. But it's the kids are annoying, and they basically what it is, it's about them going and running away from their parents because they're annoyed at them. And they uh, build a do. house in the woods. Yeah, you know, like you do. <laughs> they build a house in the woods, and they decide they're going to live out there and be woodsmen. And the lead in it is trying to be a man, and he gets mad because he gets friend-zoned and by this chick he thought he was interested in. He was interested in. And so it's, he's, the, it's the opposite of uh, Wes Anderson's story. Yeah, it's it's... Mm obnoxious he's obnoxious and they build this massive house in the middle of the woods and it completely defies all believability that these kids could build this amazing house every time you see it it just completely breaks your suspension of disbelief sweet all right that's uh out now quickies tm let's move on to movie trailer talk where we discuss some of the newest movie trailers and you know what we thought and first one up riddick this is Woo! the third feature featuring vin diesel as the character richard b riddick and it looks like we're going back to kind of the roots of this series, which started with Pitch Black, and uh, kind of having a more, a smaller journey for Riddick this time, maybe staying on cheaper. just, cheaper, <laughs> maybe staying on just one planet as opposed to going planet hopping like Chronicles of Riddick. But, um, I don't know, let's start with Brenna. Brenna, do you like this character? Do you like this, do you want to see oh, this Oh, I love Riddick. Pitch Black is one of my favorite sci-fi horror films. And um, I think they kind of missed why Pitch Black was so successful with Chronicles of Riddick, so I'm glad to see that they're remedying that and going back to the the terror horror aspects of it. Um, I think it, it I, I I know I'm, I I it seems like I can tell from this they're showing a little too much of the monsters, which was kind mm. of the appeal of the first one was that a little bit like uh, the thing you couldn't see them very much and the terror was in not knowing so much. But um, I'm excited for it. I will see it and uh, he's. It's back to his badass predator roots and not trying to be political and stuff, which is weird. Scott? Um, I'm a little shocked that we're actually getting a Riddick movie. <laughs> I keep thinking this is like a, a joke or just, you know, uh, Vin Diesel making like a fan-made trailer to try to get investment. Triple X3. Apparently it's <laughs> coming out in September, universally distributing, so I guess there really is another Riddick movie. Um, It looks fine. It looks to me, and again, I haven't seen Pitch Black since it was in theaters, so I, my memory may be faulty, but it basically looks like a, a loose remake of Pitch Black. They're on, a de they're on a planet, monsters attack, Riddick fights the monsters. Um, again, the trailer, the movie may be more than that, and, you know, I guess if you want just a, you know, when you say back to basics, it feels more to me like, oh, they're just kind of redoing the first movie. I, don't know, I hope, I hope that uh, Vin Diesel is involved with the story aspect of it because he like with his involvement in Escape from Butcher Bay made actually an amazing video game. Yeah, for those and that's I I can bring I'll just go now. I mean that's something that I really I I really like the Riddick character. I really like this character and like what Vin Diesel brings to it and I do I I, I like Pitch Black Pitch Black quite a bit. Um but the game the game Escape from Butcher Bay is actually my favorite iteration of Riddick on in some format like it it's a very besides just being like a competent video game it's a very well <laughs> real written story and very well voice acted by Vin Diesel as well as the rest mm -hmm. of that cast and yeah Chronicles of Riddick stumbled because it tried to do a lot with it just didn't work this didn't come together well but like this new one for Riddick I I'm looking forward to the movie I'm happy to see kind of more of this character I I do think it does have a a very similar vibe that Pitch Black had, but I, I, I Vin Diesel and David Tui, David Tui have kind of a, 
they seem to have a, a good relationship together where they seem to like this character and like being able to go into different stories with it. So I, I I'd like to feel I, I like to be optimistic about how how they can turn this into something that kind of feels like an, an ex, another another probably standalone story, but one that fits who this character is rather than just a rehash of something we've already seen before. But, uh, Abe? I feel as though it's a, uh, uh, I haven't really paid attention to too much of the Riddick series. I'm, I'm kind of indifferent to it. Um, I felt that, yeah, I think Brenna, you had said that the second one's a little bit more political and yeah, it really did feel that way because it's kind of blasting right in your face. Um, kind of reminds me of a lot of like Nazgul stuff here, but it feels as though they kind of showed a lot and, I don't know if uh, maybe there's more to see. Um, kind of just felt a little spoilery. I don't know if trailers are, are starting to turn toward that avenue of um, spilling your candy in the lobby, so to speak. Uh, so, <laughs> certainly wouldn't be starting to. Oh, yeah, yeah that's, they need to follow Pixar's example. Pixar is amazing with keeping their, their trailers not spoilery. Yeah, and yeah. I, I just... I feel as though I'm gonna know exactly what I'm getting into watching this movie if we uh, if we end up watching it. So I, I'm not exactly sure how to feel about that, but on the whole, I, I just it was okay. Enthusiastic. Right. <laughs> uh, Riddick opens up Labor Day weekend. It looks like September 6, 2013. The next trailer we're going to talk about is Gravity. This Ooh. is the new film from director Alfonso Cuarón, Cuarón, who's it's his first film since Children of Men, way back in what 2007. I think it's 2006. Oh. Yeah, late 2006. Late 2000. Yeah, okay, December 2006. Yeah, and uh, this film stars Sandra Bullock and George Clooney as astronauts attempting to return to Earth. Something causes their spaceship to <laughs> get destroyed, leaving them, which leaves them kind of drifting in space. And you know what they're on to the space do? Station, aren't they? They're on a spit like they're. The International Space Station. They're right? on the International Space Station. It looked like there was like a shot. I don't know. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of visual effects in that trailer. <laughs> but, um, yeah. How do you get back to Earth? What do we do? Scott, Pride. what do you think? Gravity? <laughs> I think it looks terrific. Obviously, it's a somewhat self-contained teaser. You know, it may very well be just that one scene from the film that they're showing us. And I like teasers like that. It, it reveals without spoiling. Uh, the teaser itself is terrifying, frankly. It very much emulates the feeling of being basically lost in space, for lack of a better word, or better phrase. Um, and I like that I don't know much else that happens in this film. And, you know, if I can help it, maybe I won't watch any of the other trailers. Because I'm obviously going to see this. I mean, the pedigree involved in front and behind the camera, you know, why wouldn't I see this? Um, but as far as a trailer that's selling what might be a somewhat arty film to mainstream audiences, I think it's very successful in that sense. In that, you know, it's an incredibly exciting special effects field filled trailer that shows you something a little new. So in that sense, I think it's incredibly successful. Brenna? Uh, hold on. <laughs> oh. Okay. Bless you. Gesundheit. Way to adorably hey. sneeze into the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> That's staying in. Now it is. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> damn it. Uh, okay. Um, I hate my sneeze. I'm supposed to be big and scary. Uh, anyway, I like the trailer. I like the teaser. I like the not knowing, particularly after the Riddick trailer where we see everything. It's nice to see only a little bit. I will perpetually have a problem with taking Sandra Bullock seriously because I'm just too used to her as a comedian. Um, but hopefully I can get over that. Her voice just makes me laugh. <laughs> I hear her. She's like, oh, my God, what do I do? I'm like, ha! Oh, wait. <laughs> um, 
the net. Hilarious. Yeah. Hopefully I can get over that. I, uh. I loved how hilarious she was in Crash. Yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> She's so um, lovely. I'm, I'm excited to see it. It looks interesting. I, I, I have a big problem with scientific accuracy. And the entire time I was looking at the trailer, all I could think was, those suits seem like they have way too much range of motion. I don't think those, those don't look very mm. accurate. You, you have a big problem with scientific accuracy, but you're a huge, like, Doctor Who fan and... Yup. Show, Aaron. She's a The chameleon guest. device. The chameleon device failed. That's why it's shaped like a phone booth. <laughs> um, no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> talking about awesome things. Of but, course. um, other than that really nitpicky thing, I think it looks fascinating. Um, I'm a fan of the filmmaker, I'm a fan of the actors, and I am always more than willing to, uh, change opinions I have about things like Sandra Bullock as something other than a comedian. Hmm. Abe? Uh, I think it looks fantastic. I, I'm a huge fan of, uh, the director Alfonso Cuaron, not only for Children of Men, but also he directed one of my favorite Harry Potter movies, uh, which is the third one. Um, I certainly like that book a lot as well, but just the way that he was able to kind of get some darker elements into it, um, it certainly helped out a lot. Uh, this is also a big reason why, uh, in, in all honesty, spacewalks are super dangerous for uh, any astronaut, is because you just can't control anything. Yeah, it's fun to look at, but it's incredibly difficult and dangerous. And this kind of just... <laughs> Makes me even more nervous for uh, for those guys when they uh, do that, and they're like, "Hey, this is awesome! Like, I'll wave to the camera. Please don't. Hold on, I want you to live." So. <laughs> well, I'm glad that what's his face has gone back to Earth since then. I meant to look up his name. Sam Rockwell. Yeah. No, <laughs> not Sam Rockwell. The other, the actual guy in space. Oh, oh yeah, the, Samuel the... Rockwell. Sa- oh, yeah, just... Doctor. Uh, Samuel Rockwell. Got I just it. agree with things. I have a problem with that. Chris, Chris, what was his name? Fine. He did. He just did that awesome video of him doing space oddity. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, space. It escapes me too, but I know we'll we'll link Chris it. Shout it out. Chris, right? Chris Hadfield. Chris there Hadfield. There you go. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm more willing to watch it now that I don't have to worry about because he's really active on the internet while he was up there, and I really liked him. So I'm I, this kind of thing makes me nervous because I have a person who actually exists in that situation who I can identify with. So on that level, it makes it slightly deeper. Aaron? I can say um, I I really enjoy it. I mean, I was, I've was i been looking forward to this for a while. Like, Gravity, i just known about it and was like, when is this happening? And now I'm finally seeing something from it. And it's like, yay, all right, this looks really solid. I was surprised to see the the title card come up in the and in, in say, see it in IMAX and in 3D. And I was like, what? I didn't know that was happening at all. But... As has been proven to be, I, I enjoy seeing kind of these types of directors in the same on the long all on the same lines as like Scorsese or Ang Lee, where you're like watching, you know, auteurs direct movies using this kind of latest technology in the way that they see fit. So I'll be assuming that this is shot in 3D. On that, I haven't looked into it. I just all I saw was the fact that it is in 3D. I was like, well, that's interesting, I guess. But I'll be given what I what I've seen in other her own films, I, I, I like his kind of filmmaking sensibilities, and I'd be curious to see how he handles kind of this kind of big budget special effects film that for all, for most likely has a lot of, you know, art house sensibilities still inside of it, so, which, you know, you could say you've seen in Children of Men, since it's a dystopian sci-fi drama, just happens. God, I love that movie. Oh, yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to Gravity, so, uh, cool. 
We'll see. And that comes out October 4th, 2013, saying the year for whatever reason. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it took me a second to hear what you said, and I was like, yeah, I guess that makes sense. <laughs> but yeah, those are trailers, so let's move on now. Let's get into Woo! our main review for Star Trek. Yeah. I request permission to go after him. I cannot allow you to do this. Jim, you're not actually going after this guy, are you? Let's go get this son of a bitch. You are a poem, Kirk. Sir, there's a ship heading right for us. You can't even guarantee the safety of your own crew. Now, shall we begin? Sorry. We're outnumbered, outgunned. I have no idea what I'm supposed to do. I only know what I can do. All right, so that should have been some of the trailer for Star Trek Into Darkness. This is the second Star Trek film from the director J.J. Abrams, and Paramount Pictures has provided me with a synopsis that I'm going to read right now. When the, when the crew of the Enterprise is called back home, they find an unstoppable force of terror from within their own organization who has detonated the fleet and everything it stands for, leaving our world in a state of crisis. Slightly accurate, all right. With a personal, like, yeah. with a personal score to settle, Captain Kirk leads a manhunt to a war zone world to capture a one-man weapon of mass destruction. As our heroes are propelled into an epic chess game of life and death, love will be challenged, friendships will be torn apart, and sacrifices must be made for only the only family Kirk has left, his crew. Decent enough. I probably could have improv that better, but I'll let <laughs> I'll give Paramount the credit where credits partially do. I like to uh, say that's very inaccurate. Yeah, <laughs> not the best, not the best. No, but I'm gonna I'm gonna Brett. I'll let you start this one off. How? What did you think of Star Trek Into Darkness? I loved it. I've seen it twice. I saw it twice before it came out. Um, I went to the the midnight IMAX screening, and then I saw it to review it as well. Um, I I I do think that the name Into Darkness is a misnomer. Mm. I think it should be called Star Trek Fan Service because <laughs> that is all it is, and it's amazing. And it, the beauty of it is that if you're a fan, you're going to be ecstatic at all the references that are there. Uh, if you're a non-fan, you will still enjoy it. You won't get why the person next to you is like giggling, but if you'll still enjoy it thoroughly. Scott, oh, um, I liked it more than the first one. Keep in mind, I'm not as big of a fan of the first one as some people are. Um, I am a moderate Star Trek fan. I know all the movies. I'm not that versed on the show. Um, my, for me, the big improvement this time around is that uh, Kirk is not an entitled jackass frankly mm. um i felt the first film had a giant strain of manifest destiny to it you know he was basically this entitled arrogant little prick that nonetheless kept having you know authority handed to him on a silver platter for no particular reason this mm -hmm. film does not do that he's a much more humble character when bad things happen to him he reacts accordingly and while there is a certain oh he's a cocky guy who doesn't play by the rules i would argue that most of his rule breaking in this film is to help others rather than to, you know, self promote himself. And in my mind, that made it a far more interesting experience. Uh, I think the film's politics are very interesting. I think it works as a 
it works two pronged. A, there's a lot of stuff dealing with you know post nine eleven you know mindsets, uh, you know the the legality of certain war on terror tactics. We might be able to go into spoilers later, but I think that that also that debate that goes on in the film also works as a debate, a parable for the debate between you know whether we honor the Star Trek of old versus making this into a more conventional, hyper-fast, hyper-action-filled, modern-day blockbuster. So I think, you know, the push-pull of both sides of what Star Trek is today, you know, I think the film is strongest when it's really having that debate internally in the film itself. I think the film is weakest when it is, quote-unquote, fan service. Uh, there's about, there's stuff that goes on toward the end of the film that just I find to be just completely lazy, condescending, and, and frankly patronizing. And it's ha ha, this is gonna make you know fans go crazy because it's it's something that kind of sorta deals with something that kind of sorta happened in previous Star Trek films. In my mind, it's no smarter than the kind of quote unquote satire that you find in something like Epic Movie, where ho, oh, that's funny <laughs> because those characters are doing something from another movie, but it's not really them, so ha ha, that's clever. Hmm. Um, other than that, I think it's a superior movie to Star Trek. It looks great. The action scenes are very good. The IMAX is fantastic. Yeah. Um, the, it's, it's very well acted. Um, and I think had they had the courage or what have you to simply, you know, chart their own course and truly tell their own story, this would have been a remarkable Star Trek movie. But I think it is almost crippled toward the end by its need to sort of retell old stories. Hmm. Well, to, um, a, to a frustrating degree. I, uh, I, I forgot to say something that I wanted to mention. Good but oh, yeah. first, um, I, I think J.J. Uh, Abrams said, said that he, the entire reason he set up the alternate universe thing in Star Trek 1 was so that he could do his own version of old Star Trek stories, um, which is, you know, problematic. If, if, if you can either look at it as being bad or, or good, but the thing I wanted to say is that I felt that the what was missing from Star Trek One, I felt was a lot of the a lot of the philosophy of Star Trek itself uh, was more in this one. We had a lot, but there were there were themes in this. There were ideas. The kind of Star Trek is a very moral. TV show. It's always got a different parable or a question um, to ask. And this one had that, you know, with, with the uh, do I follow orders when I know that the orders are bad or do I do what's right? Do I, what, how do I act in these situations? And seeing the moral dilemmas the characters face is uh, more reminiscent of actual Star Trek to me, I think. Agreed. Hmm. Abe, your thoughts? I thought it was an enjoyable film. Um, I think there were certain plot holes that kind of uh, held it back from being a phenomenal film. Um, I think that there was also some character development that I felt was kind of uh, a little bit, uh, I guess, tropish uh, to some degree. And you can basically tell who these characters are just by uh, name recognition alone, um, which we'll get into a little bit later, I'm sure. Uh, the character of, I guess, Benedict Cumberbatch is fantastic in this film. Um, he's just a great actor overall, but he's he's so deep and dark, and he's kind of like a, a guy that you kind of want to see more of. I watched you murder innocent men and women. I was authorized 
to end you. And the only reason why you are still alive is because I am allowing it. So shut your mouth. Captain, you're going to punch me again over and over till your arm weakens. Clearly you want to, so tell me. Why did you allow me to live? We all make mistakes. No. I surrender to you because, despite your attempt to convince me otherwise, you seem to have a conscience, Mr. Kirk. If you did not, then it would be impossible for me to convince you of the truth. Two, three, one, seven, four, six, one, one. Coordinates not far from Earth. If you want to know why I did what I did, go and take a look. Give me one reason why I should listen to you. I can give you 72. And they're on board your ship, Captain. Um, and speaking on that note, it's uh, Star Trek Into Darkness is one of those films that doesn't really leave you wanting more. Um, I felt as though if they had cut out maybe a few more minutes of it um, and kind of cut it off at a certain point in the movie, it would have been one of those movies where it's like kind of jaw-dropping and really wanted you to, or really would have set up a, a you know, if... J.J. Abrams was going to direct a third one. Um, it really would have been like, I cannot wait for this third one to come out. Um, but it kind of lets things unfold and finish things finishes things up uh, in a neat, nice manner. Um, and that kind of held it back uh, in terms of rating for me. The plot overall has some plot line holes and some <laughs> some kind of uh, cheap ways to work around uh, a lot of the, the storyline later. But... Uh, on the whole, I mean, again, the action is great. There's a um, really interesting development of the of the world on Earth, which you don't really tend to see a lot of. I, I don't think in the show, um, in the shows, I should say, and maybe in, in the films where it, it's kind of everyday normal life in the future. Um, but yeah, I, I think that it's a it's an enjoyable film, and IMAX 3D is really good. I think I agree with Scott there. Um, it's just you know. Some things here and there kind of really hold it back, and which is really unfortunate because it could have been, uh, in my mind, one of the better better blockbusters of the summer so far. Out of out of three, <laughs> <laughs> I um, so <laughs> there's a grain of salt, I guess, that has to be taken with my thoughts on Star Trek because I'm just I'm not just like a non fan. It's more of I have a weird aversion to Star Trek in general and the, the franchise. It's not something that appeals to me. And despite liking the people involved, I like J.J. Abrams and his work in general. I like a lot of the cast members. I like a lot of the people involved in the making of this movie. And I like seeing things in IMAX. <laughs> the, uh, to me, the movie is fine. Like, it's not, it, it, it does what it does and I can see, I can see just a person that wanted to see a blockbuster spectacle film. I can see them enjoying this movie. I do think it has problems that are, that come regardless of my thoughts on Trek as a series, which mainly involve kind of the plot and how predictable it felt. I felt like I could have understood everything that was going to happen a good half step before it actually happened, given how obvious things seemed to be made for me, which comes as somewhat of a surprise given how J.J. Abrams wanted to make so much of a big deal out of the how much mystery we're marketing to this build. And... It makes it makes me curious as to if this movie was you know not marketed that way if it was just kind of if we were if we knew certain details ahead of time and we're going in with that knowledge in mind and then could have focused you know more on like oh that's an interesting turn but I I feel like I was kind of let down in terms of what 
various reveals there were in this film. Aside from that, I think the um, in terms of like the the cast, I, I had a, the thing I can praise about the first film is that I enjoyed I enjoyed the characters, and this film kind of brings that back again. I would say a lot of them are shoved into the background this time around because we're focusing a lot on just Spock, Kirk, and John Harrison, with some fun from Simon Pegg and some fun from Carl Urban as Bones, and but I don't I don't I don't know I just didn't get enough of everyone here given that we're supposed to be watching a team work together but uh you know there's a lot yeah we can talk about this more there's a lot of there's a lot of very good action in this movie i really like the use of imax here i saw it in a giant imax screen and mm-hmm. i that's i mean for someone that's really excited to see star trek and like jj abrams take so far i can imagine they'd really enjoy this movie because it does makes good use of its budget for sure mm-hmm. um a lot of the Kind of the, the different worlds I see. I mean, we start with this great crimson world that I really enjoy looking at. We go to you call the the licorice forest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we get, we uh, the land of red vines. Uh, oh. <laughs> go to what the Klingon place, Kronos, yeah. and it's like, hey, that's dark and gray. And is like, that a spoiler? <laughs> is it? I don't know. What? I don't. I don't. Know. Spoiler: They go to visit Klingon worlds. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I was going to ask you that. My question is an opening question. What did you guys think of? Uh, in the first one, you know, you're introduced to Romulans, uh, and people were kind of like, eh, that's not really what a Romulan is. Um, and then in this one, you have Klingons, right? So did you guys feel as though, oh, yeah, that kind of that kind of looks like a Klingon? And, you know, I, I like that approach more than I like the Romulan approach in, in the first one. What would you guys think? I'm not an expert enough to judge on something like that. I, um... I'm less than that. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I was actually pretty happy with the uh, cool. with the Klingons. I I was they they made him look more predatory and, and slightly more animalistic, which could be problematic if you want to talk about racism. Mm. Um, but visually, I thought they were pretty spot on for for to reimagine them. I enjoyed this reimagining. Right, and I guess that's what I was trying to drive at too. Because if you look at like the Star Trek Next Generation series, the Romulans, they kind of still have additional features on them that um, is kind of just looks like a, a tattoo for Eric Bana and his crew. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's what I'm uh, trying to get. Is that or their bling? Yeah, on, well, it's on their foreheads. They, mm-hmm. look, they have, like, tattoos. And in the in the show, it's actually, like, grooves, and they actually look like a different race. Um, but they're still rel- relatively human, I think. Let me yeah. talk about the pandering a little bit. Cause, oh, okay. So I, I've seen... <laughs> I've seen one of the other Star Trek movies, specifically the one that this movie is very much indebted to, and I feel like as a person that's not like one that picks up on Star Trek-related things, the fact that I was able to get what J.J. Abrams was doing so easily, it did kind of bug me. It felt like I, I don't know how like a massive Star Trek fan would feel in terms of seeing a lot of very signature scenes from what I, from what I understand from the series in general being played out in the manner that they are here. And I feel like it undercuts some of the the drama that's going on. And like, and Abel, you're kind of addressing how you think the if the movie ended at a certain point, it'd be better for that. And I, I don't know if it end if it ended where it did, it would have been. I, I'm not. I don't know if it would have been better if it ended mm-hmm. where it did. But I do think the the scene that takes place three seconds after really undercuts what that drama is. And we will get to like kind of spoilers later on and talk more about this. But it just in terms of having. Kind of the th- I mean, the third act in general, to me, feels, feels bosh because of how it plays out. Mm. I think that, um, as a Star Trek fan, I think we're just excited to 
see references. I mean, I can't speak for everybody, but all of my other, I've talked to other fans who saw it opening night and the things I heard were, I wish they had done something new since they set up this really cool alternate universe thing. And I also heard that they, it was, they were were just happy to hear, to see the nods. They were happy to be able to to get it. Right. But Um, it seems like there's, there's nods and then there's just blatant copying with certain role reversals. Yeah, I think the, the the best explanation I heard for it was, it's been done before, but better. With more lens flare. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, there was actually less lens flare in this one. It's only on the deck when they have a lot of lens flare. I, yeah, was, well, I was happy about whoa, that. Whoa. Way Abrams, happy about that. Abrams said the reason that he used lens flare was because he wanted to show that it was shiny and new and all that other stuff. And mm. he also wanted to make it seem like there was something exciting going on off screen, which is why it was only happened. Uh, on the deck, but uh, he, there, when there was the use of lens flare, it was bad. Like that scene with what's her face when she's talking to her dad. There were scenes parts where you, she was entirely obscured by lens flare. <laughs> Blinded I, 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 by art. the light. I thought there was a lot of lens flare in this movie. I kept. Yeah, there was still quite a bit. Yeah, particularly so, after he apologized for using so much lens flare. It, it, bu- it, so it, it, it bugged me because the 3D was okay in parts and then really bad in other parts. It was the first time I was actually bothered by 3D in this movie. Yeah, uh-huh. I said, when I told people, I said, Goes, if you see it in 3D, you'll see lens flare in 3D. Because hmm. there, there were, like, basically the, the, the big IMAX sequences worked for me. Yeah. But other scenes where you where it's just converted at 3D, it just and with the sh- the shininess of it all, it really did actually bother me. And it's something that never really does bother me. So I was surprised how I was like, I need to take off my glasses for a second and just kind of not look. Interesting. Huh. I didn't feel that badly about. Yeah, it. I didn't have any problems with it. I, I, I just don't like the lens player. Yeah. Did you guys like uh, Giacchino's score? I love Giacchino's yes. score. Yes, that's actually yeah. the thing I'd praise the most. Always. In this movie. Yeah, score was fantastic in this movie. Super, superb. Yeah, I have to agree with you there. And I would agree, I would say the visuals are fantastic in this movie as well. I think the uh, I, I think I, they're I, overall, but that scene on the Klingon homeworld, mm-hmm. that set was horrible. Yes, it was. And that that was it was because so it's because it's very minimal. No, yeah. it, it looks like a set. I mean, yeah, it's minimal, but it also oh, yeah. looks like a set. It looks like oh. somewhere I'd go and play paintball. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I I would say that whole scene is is terrible, frankly, because I mean, I like it, seeing it, Benedict Batch's long legs swinging around. And <laughs> it's 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 the one action scene that's completely superfluous and pointless, and it without going into details, it undercuts what should be a big moment for a supporting character. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it annoyed me. Um, there's a lot of action in this movie. Most of it can be justified. That was the one action scene. Is like, oh, you're doing a shootout neat oh i i enjoyed the end of it though when he yeah fair enough took when he took the when he just knocked the gun out of spock tried to hold up the gun against him he just shot him like an afterthought <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, show his character's badassery can we talk about some of the characters in this one? Oh yeah no <laughs> maybe i guess um oh. i would i would say i i enjoyed zachary quinto in this film as as spock I, I I enjoyed him. I felt he got a little too humany womany at times. It's weird because there's like it seems like, and again, I you know, I can only speak so much on it, but like I I get that he's half human, so it's like, hey, emotions are on. But he he has this way of kind of presenting the the logical side of him and how it factors into the humor of this film that I quite enjoyed. And at the same time, it gets to those parts where he is acting more emotional, and I would, I I I like especially kind of in the. I, 
where it starts from in the beginning versus where it goes to the end. I like the kind of counterbalance of Spock's character. Well, I like that that whole entire notion of, uh, you know, the whole entire, I guess, the theme of, hey, what would Jim do in this situation versus Spock? And then let's kind of reverse that in some degree. Um, so I, I did enjoy that. But I do agree with Brendan that it's kind of got a little bit really human toward, like, the, the later part of the second act and then moving really into the third act. I was like, hmm, would Spock ever really act this way? I, I'm not a Star, Wars, Star Trek fan, but, Brendan, I'm asking you, I guess, because you're the... I guess the Star Trek expert right now <laughs> is Spock. Does he ever really break that whole entire, I'm never going to break my emotional spirit because I'm Vulcan kind of thing. Even when he's dying, he's still Vulcan. Yeah. He's still very Vulcan. Okay. Um, oh. I mean, it was, it was nice to see it cause he's, he's, you know, he's a different Spock, but at the same time, I'm like, I identify as Vulcan. I'm cold and logical and people hate getting in arguments with me. Mm hmm. And because I don't get heated, I don't yell, I don't do any of that kind of stuff. And, and I identify with Vulcans a lot. And I'm like, oh, he's. I like seeing him cry because I like seeing that acting. <laughs> but at the same time, I'm like, that's just that, that felt that felt just a little too human for me. Mm-hmm. And I also, I mean, they have they have him fighting. They have Spock fighting, and he just gives us this old fashioned beat down. And I'm like, there are forms of Vulcan martial arts. Show us some of that. <laughs> Show us Susmana. Well, and I, I feel that the first film, I mean, I have my issues with the third act of the first film, but I think what it did do well was show the idea of Spock being the emotional one while Kirk was trying to be the logical one. Mm-hmm. So they've already, a lot of again, a they've bit. already done that in the first film. Right. It, it's, you know, it's, it's, it, again, it feels kind of like they're repeating because they don't have the imagination to do anything else. So, I mean, again, I, I don't want to get into the third act too much right. because spoilers, but, it almost felt like, you know, it was like, it almost felt like J.J. Abrams has only seen a very small portion of Star Trek. I would so believe come, that's accurate. When it comes down time to, quote unquote, pay homage, he can only pay homage to what he's seen. So it's this very small, you know, very limited scope of what he can do. And again, in my mind, it feels kind of condescending and patronizing. It's like, ha-ha. Don't J.J. Ha. No, Abrams isn't a Star Trek fan. And again, I, I don't think that should be an excuse. You know, if you're not a fan, find someone that, that at least is more knowledgeable of the universe than you are. It's not like you didn't feel didn't write the movie, though. I mean, you have, yeah. like, Roberto Wardsley and... Well, then I, I, I blame... Like, Damien Lindelof kind of did yeah. some touch Damon, too. Damien Lindelof, I, I mean, they, they all three of them are involved, and I think they have the... They have blame. a lot of the blame to be placed on yeah. that. And I think I believe they are bigger Star Trek fans than J.B. Abrams actually is. So it's then it is curious to me why it feels it, why they who I believe they I believe them to be smart people, and I think I, they know how to kind of deliver on stories that go places as opposed to be something be more of the same. And so I was surprised that this movie did feel like, hey, it's just a bigger version of the first movie as opposed to a a step in a new direction into darkness yes. per se. It, it just um, feels like more of this. I think and another reason... Oh, wait, yeah, it, well, no, I, some of that might be studio edit. It might be quite possible that Paramount said, oh, crap, we only made $128 million overseas. We need to do, do a somewhat more generic story that will play in, you know, Russia. Do you really think that, though? Because, I mean, oh, yeah. J.J. Abrams is... I, like, I mean, I, I feel like they have that... I think I feel like they have more pull than to be told by Paramount what to do. Well, even Sam Raimi got forced to use Venom even after Spider-Man 2 made $800 million. I think another problem with it is the fact that 
the fact, Aaron, the fact that you were able to get all the Star Trek references, I, I think, is what they were trying to do. I think they were trying to do fan service, but they wanted to do fan service that anybody who's seen the films will get. They want to do the most accessible fan service. Which if is, that makes sense. And that and that bugs me. I mean, because I, oh, no, I'm cause not I, saying it's okay. Yes, I'm saying I know. Yeah, but I, that, I mean, because I, 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 I'd like to think that the people in that JJ and that all those other guys, they, I. I know that they're capable of doing a lot better things. I feel like they're doing they, – they, they, have they made a successful blockbuster film that's going to appeal to a lot of people? Yes, and that – I mean that easily shows. The trailers alone show that. And I – it, 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 it feels like this is a movie that's going to be pinned to something that's like a really smart blockbuster, and it just isn't that. That's not what I'm seeing here. Um, I think it's very smart when it concentrates on – the specific story it's trying to tell. And as I said, one of the reasons I like it more than the first one is because I like the, the politics that it's playing around with. And again, I also like, in my mind, what's a, you know, a twin parable, the idea of the push-pull of the franchise. I think that stuff is very interesting. And I think when it focuses on that, it's an arguably an excellent action picture. It's only in the, that, that final chunk of the film where it just, in my mind, completely caves into fan service, that it goes off the rails, almost fatally so. And as far as the level of reference, it reminded me a little bit of Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, <laughs> which built itself as this very insider Hollywood parody, but was filled with incredibly sophomoric jokes that any idiot that's ever been to a movie would get. You know, you're Kevin Smith, and you have Mark Hamill. But even though you, you know, you're Kevin Smith and this is an insider, you know, satire, you just, you still just happen to do Star Wars jokes, really? That's the level of your inside baseball intelligence? And that's what I felt the callbacks were in this film. It was something that, oh, we're paying homage, but only in a way that the dumbest, most, you know, ill-informed Star Trek nerd person would understand. But even outside of, and again, that's, I mean, outside of that aspect, the movie does feel like very predictable to me like there's certain characters yes. in here like you have one major character who the second he walks on screen i'm like well he's a bad guy like exactly. it doesn't like it's just like <laughs> yeah that's kind of like, what i was to earlier like, yeah. and, and then you have oh. just like even on the basic level of like hey this will sell tickets you have alice eve in here there is no reason for this person she exists to take her dress off in one scene yeah she, she yes. does so i feel that there's a lot more there's a lot more in-depth references that exist there too i mean She's the she's mother of Kirk's baby in Wrath of Khan, the name, the character name, anyways. Yeah. And um, I mean, there's some other ones like when I was watching, when I watched it the first time, um, when Sulu talks about the skiff and he says, "Use the one that we that we had in the mud incident," and I was like, "Okay, that's got to be a reference to something." And I looked it up, and it's a reference to that that smuggler guy. Um, in he's yeah. most famous in Trouble with Tribbles. He's the one who sold the the Tribbles. Oh, the Tribble. Yeah, and there, there's a triple in it. That one's kind there of There is obvious. a triple in this movie. But, I mean, they have the, the reference to Nurse Chapel. Christine Chapel is in it. I mean, she, um, she's, when, when, uh, what's her face asks him about her friend Christine Chapel, who she heard the reputation from. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then putting Chekhov in a red shirt, and he looks really scared. That's, that's another one that, that's, that, see, that works though. That, that, that feels yeah. like, hey, that's fun. Yeah. That's a funny thing. A little yeah. one. I mean, when you get, when you make the entire plot about. Yes. These references is when it gets to be problematic. But there exactly. are some more subtle fan service references in this. And those, and I mean, that's fine. It's like, it's not like I need to, I don't, I didn't get all those, of course, but I mean, it's not, it, that's not something that bugs me. It's, it's way, and like, Scott, you're talking about the, 
the the bigger themes that are going on in this movie. Those are things I did like. And yeah, there's things in this movie that are just like fun to watch in general. I can easily spot that. And if it was like a tighter 150 minute movie as opposed to like a two hour and 12 minute movie, I may have been, have more, had more enjoyment in it. But like I'm just sitting there watching it and I'm like in bits and pieces like, okay, this is fine. But what's what else? What else is going on here? I'm, gra- I'm glad that I was able to see a lot of these big spectacle aspects of it. But now I'm getting to this ending that I don't care for. I'm getting to these plot elements that I'm like, well, I got that already. Okay. It's, it just, it, for, for these people, for, for this movie, for the people involved in this movie, who I think are smart people, I don't think they really delivered something that felt broader or bigger than, (laughs) than felt, felt in a, a, a good expand on what they, what the goodwill that they already created in the first film. I mean, I have to agree that, there is, I have to agree with Scott, there is a lot of pandering that goes on to foreign markets because that's where all the money is made. Um, and because of that, you're seeing simpler and simpler blockbusters. And I think that could definitely be a factor. Interesting. Like a lot of, I mean, that's, that's the reason why we keep getting Transformers films. They sell overseas. <laughs> let's, um, let's do a rating on the film, um, real quick. And I think we're gonna, we'll talk more about, spoilery stuff after that but we'll put that at the end of the episode but for now uh let's let's give a rating um each week out alpha and enable each other to rate films based on when you go and see them and the scale goes from imax to theater dollar theater netflix hbo tv or just kind of forget about it uh brenna on that scale where would you put star trek into darkness uh i would put it on imax because regardless of everything else it is still a spectacle and you you may not i would i wasn't disappointed i paid to see it even after seeing it for free um it's it's enjoy see it with friends it's it's a lot of fun i think uh maybe not if you aren't a fan i mean even non-fans will enjoy it but i I, okay i'm gonna shut up i'm just gonna say imax scott um imax because 30 minutes of the film was shot in imax and even if i was less gung-ho in the film and i have my issues but overall i enjoyed it it looks great in imax and I want to encourage more directors to shoot in IMAX. Ergo, yes. if you're going to see it, see it in IMAX. I like that point. Yes. If, uh, That's pretty much the answer for right now. I would say watch it in IMAX despite all the issues that I did have with it. Because, again, it looks visually really good. Um, and the 3D works out pretty well, too. So I would say IMAX. I think if you like the first film by J.J. Abrams, then you'll probably enjoy this movie enough to go for the IMAX and see it. But, uh, Boom. Right. Okay. Okay, so let's do a little movie callback. Callback, callback, callback. This is where we're going to talk about a few, uh, well, movies we thought of while watching the movie or after the fact. So, uh, uh, Scott, you have any movies? Demolition any? Man. <laughs> well, yeah. no, it, it, it's basically, you know, a bad guy unleashes a worse guy to try to clean up, you know, society and, you know, the plan goes to hell in a handbasket. Cool. Brenna? Um, Avengers. There were a lot of Avengers type moments. Yeah, I mean, I think that there was there was so many there were so many references to the Wrath of Khan that all I thought about was Wrath of Khan <laughs> while I was watching it. Abe, sorry. Uh, certainly, uh, yeah, uh, Avengers as well, <laughs> and um, RoboCop, and as well as uh, a little bit of Minority Report. Oh, yeah, no, I can see Minority Report. A lot of the yeah. look, a lot of the the look seems you know, yeah. Earth inspired. Uh, yeah, Abrams features just in general. The Rock came to mind. Uh, the Dark Knight and Skyfall in terms of this is the dark <laughs> sequel. 
Um, Cloud it's Atlas. Very dark. Cloud Atlas. Interesting. Mainly because of mainly because of a scene that has John Harrison like badassing of two guns at the same time, taking down spaceships and Klingons. <laughs> it's like just like just like oh, just, just like Asian Jim Sturgis does in Cloud Atlas. <laughs> that is the true true. <laughs> Scott Nettleson, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. That's callback. Let's All right. Move, let's move to our newest segment. Out now, feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. Thank you. And, um, yeah, we uh, I've been putting up questions on the Facebook page, like, every week, and people respond to them a lot. Yeah. So I just figured, why don't we have just our own, like, a whole segment devoted to to our listeners, really. For our listeners' events. So um, I'm going to start off the shorter one first. I asked... Um, What's everyone been watching lately? I got a, I got a few, few interesting answers here. Allison has been watching Beverly Hills 90210 circa 94. Mm. Uh, let's see, Brian White, owner of White So Blue, is just pumped about the next season of Dexter. Apparently, the Jim, final season. Yeah, the final season. Jim Dietz, friend of the show, uh, he's been watch, he's watched Star Trek, which I believe he liked. He's been watching Hemlock Grove on Netflix and Game of Thrones. Izzy. Has been catching up on Arrow, Fringe, Game of Thrones, and he really enjoys Hannibal. Let's see. Tyler has been what? He watched Gone, Gaby Gone, and American History X for the first time, and he thought they were both excellent, excellent thought-provoking films. Interesting double feature. How does somebody? Oh, I guess everybody has a first time to watch those movies. And lastly, Philip has been watching Iron Man three. Uh, he watched Paranorman and Warrior on Netflix. He liked oh, Paranorman. Yeah, you have to go for it. He liked all of them, but Warrior was the best great sports film with an emphasis on family. That's what he said there. So thank you for that. But here's the next one. This was a fun question. What movie sounds better with Into Darkness added onto it? Googly <laughs> Loves. So, <laughs> <Ugly> loves. <laughs> Let's see. Jim Dietz has Black Dynamite Into Darkness. <laughs> Plus a thousand. Adam, Deep Impact. Adam Gentry has oh. Long Day's Journey Into Night Into Darkness. <laughs> Jordan has a number of ones. Jordan of the Joe Jordan Grout has Baby Baby's Kids into Darkness, Drive Angry into Darkness, Shot in 3D, <laughs> Pre Hysteria into Darkness, Milo and Otis into Darkness. Let's see, Brandon Peters, friend of the show, also Darkness Falls into Darkness. <laughs> Drew Breakin into Darkness, uh, Alan Aguilera Edge of Darkness into Darkness, Allison Dirty Dancing into Darkness. <laughs> Lincoln into Darkness from Jordan again. Joe Jans, Joe Jans has a few. Driving, <laughs> driving Miss Daisy into Darkness. Friday Night Lights into Darkness. Forrest Gump into Darkness. Let's see. Mike Jones put The Legend of Boggy Creek 2 into Darkness. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. That's what we have from Steve here. A Passion of the Christ into Darkness. <laughs> Jason Ritter, The Avengers into Darkness. Izzy Dibbs, Mission Impossible into Darkness. Ghost Protocol. And lastly, Patrick Butler put Star Trek Into Darkness Into Darkness. So thank you all for all those. <laughs> that was super enjoyable to read. That was a very entertaining thing to see that day. But uh, yeah, and we'll continue putting up questions on the Facebook page, especially more now since we have a whole segment devoted to our listeners for out now feedback. Woo! Feedback, feedback, feedback. Thank you. Let's get into box office. Where each week we try to go over the box office total to find out if our previous predictions were anywhere close to what actually happened. Laramie Legal last week predicted first place of ninety-three million. John Van Dyke predicted first place of 101 million. Abe, do you remember what you predicted? Yeah, I think I, I went really crazy, and I just I don't know. I guess I was drinking the Kool Aid. It's like 180 million. Yeah, you went oh. you went 160, and boy, were 160. you wrong. 
I put eighty-three billion with first Woo! place, and Woo! I crushed it this week. But well, almost. Oh, I I nailed it this week. What 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 happened? It was eighty-four, right? It was a yeah. The, yeah. yeah, the totals were eighty-four. But Scott, you want to go over a little box office for us? Oh, this is a complicated one. You don't need to go too into. Okay. Long story short, under normal circumstances, it'd be an okay number. Eighty-four million over four days. It's doing decently overseas. It's already done one hundred sixty-four million worldwide. But here's the caveat: four years ago, Star Trek opened to seventy-nine and a half billion over three days. Without three D. Mm. Without three D and four years of inflation, adjusted for inflation and with the three D thrown in, you'd be looking at roughly ninety-five million over three days. So this is a much smaller number, and more importantly, there was an expectation four years ago, both by pundits like myself and, frankly, by Paramount, that the first film was well-liked enough and popular enough and leggy enough that the inevitable sequel would break out in a manner like The Dark Knight or Dead Man's Chest or even, you know, X2, X-Men United, where you have a popular, well-liked, somewhat leggy first film that goes just haywire with the sequel, um, building on the goodwill of that first film. Uh, that didn't happen at all this time. Um, the closest comparison would actually be something like uh, Sherlock Holmes' Game of Shadows, which actually opened significantly less than its predecessor, despite arguably the goodwill of the first film from two years prior. That one opened to $40 million versus the first film's $62 million. Uh, this might be one of two reasons. Uh, bad timing. They waited four years to open the next film, during which time the, the moment was gone. The moment it had passed them by. Uh, the, the People liked the film, but they didn't obsess about it in any particular way. Mm -hmm. um, it was also marketed in, again, a way very similar to uh, Sherlock Holmes' Game of Shadows. It didn't promise anything new. It just promised more of the same, stronger, faster, harder, with a quirky British character actor playing a, you know, a serial killer, basically. Um, so basically, you had a marketing campaign of, it's Star Trek again, with Benedict Cumberbatch, that guy that, let's be honest, most people have not heard of, playing a random scary villain. Um, again, if you're not already interested in Star Trek, that's not going to get you into the theater. The other possibility is, frankly, maybe Star Trek was a fluke. Maybe mm. it was one of the entries in the series, like First Contact, like Voyage Home, that for whatever reason just hits with the general populace a little bit harder than usual and just breaks out a little bit. Um, you know, Star Trek First Contact, you know, was a mass market blockbuster at the time, opened with 30 million, made 90 million. Uh, Voyage Home, Star Trek for the Voyage Home, uh, it was a slightly more comedic version, you know, Star Trek film. It opened with about 27 million and back in 1986, and did about $109 million, which was still the highest grossing of the series until the, the new Star Trek reboot. So it's quite possible that Star Trek was not the birth of this new giant breakout franchise that would turn Star Trek into a top-league franchise. It was just kind of a fluke. It was one of the periodic Star Trek films that connects with mass audiences on a bigger level temporarily. Hmm. And what I think we're seeing now is a film that's going to do about, you know, eh, $180 million domestic, which adjusted for inflation puts it right smack in the middle of the, all 12 Star Trek films. So if there is a Star Trek three, and I'm assuming there's going to be, Paramount doesn't have a lot of franchises right now, it's probably going to be a little cheaper, and the expectations are going to probably be a lot lower. 
Mm. So if they merge it with G.I. Joe, they'll be fine, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, they should have cast the Bruce Rock. Willis cameo? Yeah, if the Rock, yeah, if the Rock comes in, they'll just that'll yeah. propel the franchise oh, it's to over. a billion it's dollars. Over. Yeah, easily. Oh. It's completely it's over. Done. Aaron, is it? Uh, is it? Do you think it's time for some for some games here? A little low, but I could tell that you went on warp there. Oh, I did. And <laughs> uh, I, did, I went on warp because I, I... Here we go. Let's do some games. Woo! It, um, I have one of our favorite games here. It's called Celebrity Tweets. Yes! Oh. <laughs> Celebrity... <laughs> Celebrity Tweets is the game where I've collected completely, utterly real tweets from people on Twitter, from celebrities, that reflect Star Trek in some way. They they actually put this. None of, none, none of this is made up. Cer- certainly not by me. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna read one of the I'm gonna read a tweet and you're gonna have to guess what celebrity I'm talking about. Too. Wait, are they are they is it any celebrity or is it celebrities in the cast? Oh, oh yeah, it, 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 it could be any it celebrity. Any celebrity, wow. including but, Honey Boo Boo. But they but they should they should be easy. Like here's the first one. I mean you should be able to get these. Here's the first one. Yes, I learned from the best to do a Vulcan neck pinch. Zachary like of course, right? That's easy. That's easy. That's not that's not tough. Uh, let's see, here's the next one. I was really happy to get a chance to pilot the Enterprise this time. John Cho. John Cho, yeah. Same oh. thing. Alright. Let's see this next one. He has a name. There we go. Tulu. <laughs> was glad to see that lanky bastard elsewhere for a few months. Hmm. Martin, uh, Freeman. Martin Freeman. That is Martin Freeman, yeah. Bam, nice. baby. <laughs> you guys are it's easy. Alice Eve, more like Alice, please. Ew. <laughs> James uh, Kirk. Roman Jay Baruchel. It's Carrie Fisher. Carrie, Carrie Fisher tweet. <laughs> what? Oh, yeah, huh. I know. Yeah. She, has a, she has a Twitter, huh? She, of course she does. She's smart. Uh, let's see. I thought the theater smelled bad from the outside. Hmm. Leonard Nimoy. <laughs> Stephen Hawkins. That is a Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford tweet right there. He's Aww. on Twitter. <laughs> on, he's on classic Ford. He was close. Be, Classic Ford. Callista must have shown him how to get on. Old board. 40. Ah. Let's see. There we go. Geez, thanks for all the lens flare. Mm. Cotton Oswald. Um. I don't know. Simon Pegg? It's uh, Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder put that. Oh. Oh. Interesting. It's a bit Interesting. odd. Interesting. Really? Well, he probably told somebody to tweet it for him. Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> Completely, un- uh, completely, uh, completely, uh, completely, completely real, 100%. That's, that's 100%. absolutely amazing. 100%, 100% real. That's genius. Asterisk. Here we go. Here's the next one. For whatever reason, they wrote me out of this one. Shatner. Tyler Perry, actually. <laughs> oh. Oh, right. I, right. I oh, yeah. completely. Pop up. I thought it was going to be the guy at the beginning. I almost did the second. He woke up. I was <laughs> like, oh, too. here we go. Tyler Perry starting the movie off. And no, it wasn't him. It was Mickey from Doctor Who. <laughs> Yay. Uh, not enough Klingon nudity, I say. Michael Dor- Doran Patrick or whatever? Stewart. Patrick Stewart. It's uh, Kate Blanchett. Kate Blanchett ah, with that tweet. Should have known. So. That is so hot. Kate underscore Blanchett or Kate Blanchett 314? Uh, I am Kate Blanchett the real. The real one. With a little um, little check little, mark little little check mark to verify check. her tweet. Gotcha. gotcha. Yeah. I totally want her and Swinton to do a buddy cop movie together. 
Uh, no, this is this is the uh, this is the, yeah. the, the space the, opera that that Brenda was describing. They're not they're not the rival yeah. cops in the Heat that are always doing a better job than Sandy Bullock. <laughs> <Sandy Bullock. laughs> the sequel of MySpace, <laughs> the sequel of MySpace opera will be a lesbian version. They're uh, not they're not playing the Sam Jackson and Dwayne Johnson role <laughs> with the other guys. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I went to see that movie for them. I was a little disappointed about Tim and Tim. But it's it's the funniest part of that movie. Oh, it yeah. is. Um, okay, here we go. Set your phasers for fun. Uh, Somebody Chris Pine. Chris Pine. So Charles Manson. Charles Manson. <laughs> that is the <laughs> odd. I guess he had a that private. That's my second guess. Must have incredibly a, creepy. Must have had a private uh, private screening party in prison. So. In prison. Can I follow? I can follow Charles Manson. Yeah, he's on Twitter. Obviously. <laughs> we don't know his handle. We don't you know his. Can handle. Follow Charles Manson. <laughs> you could definitely follow Charles Manson. I think that's that, that's that Roman Polanski joke coming back to talk. <laughs> Is that too dark? Is that, <laughs> no. um, let's see. You call this Star Trek? Question mark. Chatter. That's uh, a, that's a Gene Roddenberry from the Grave. That's what I have. That sounds about right. Uh, last one. Last one. Uh, beam me out. Gene Shallot. Leonard Nimoy. So George Lucas, George Lucas put that tweet up. He needs to shut up. He's that's not a, allowed to talk. That's, that's a celebrity tweets. That's, the best game we've had so far. Celebrity tweets. Woo. All right, getting down to it. Out now presents what now? Out now. These are movies that are coming out in Blu-ray DVD this week. Um, the Last Stand. Yay! Woo. Better than you expect. Yeah. yeah. Enjoy. Parker. Uh, indifferent. I haven't seen it yet. I haven't it's, seen it either. It's a Statham joint, so, you know. Uh, Beautiful Creatures comes out this week. Didn't see it, He's but you guys awesome. have had good things. It's good. Gosh, everyone listening should go and rent it. I was surprised how good it was. Okay. Uh, Side Effects comes out this week. Eh. I, last... I missed that. I'm looking forward to it. I really enjoyed Side Effects. Marcus and I were eh. Mark and I were, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Stand Up Guys comes out. Missed that one. Oh, Yay! I I really dislike this movie a lot. It's fun. It's, it's just uh, fun. It's it's Viagra jokes with Al Pacino. Aww. Yeah, that's fun. <laughs> but he needs them now. Yeah. <laughs> I was highly amused. Let's move on. Let, okay. Let's move. Let's move on to next week, which is one of the big, one of the one of the most exciting weekends of the year. Uh oh. Yeah, because not only do we have Fast and Furious coming out, not only does Hangover Part Three come out. Not only does Epic come out, but we, we also get another. We get a new HBO film from Steven Soderbergh. Yes. We get the new yes. season of Arrested Development. Like this is the craziest Memorial Day weekend I can recall in some time. So what you're saying is you're going to be in all all like indoors all weekend. Yes. Well, for Fast and for Fast and Furious, tomorrow. So yay! But for Arrested Development, I'm going to be helping watch that right at midnight when it comes up on. Wait. <laughs> But I think our main review next week is going to be for Fast and Furious. We might talk about Hangover, but Fast and Furious is going to be priority. So let's do a little little box office predicting for what we think that's going to do. Ooh, that's so hard. It's got a lot of competition. Could, yeah, could be. But, um, Scott, you recall the Fast and Fast Five? Well, that came out, like, late April, though. Yeah, that came out over a three-day weekend in late April, completely uncontested at $86 million. Oh, Part four wow. came out completely uncontested in early April 2009, did $72 million. I remember trying to predict the box office for Fast and Furious that weekend because it was like, what, it came out oh nine, three years after Total yeah. Drift with the series. Like, uh, $30 million. And boom, it just skyrocketed. Yeah, holy crap. Office. Wow. 
Um, hey, would Hangover 2 make a 137-ish over five days? Damn. Alright. Um, this is this is hard. Fast 6? Fast 6, Hangover, mm. and Epic. I wouldn't, under- and Epic, oh, I wouldn't yeah. underestimate Epic, which is probably, if I had to guess, is probably opening on the most screens. Probably. Ah, uh, man, that's um, tough. I'm going to say Fast 6 uh, in a... In a very f- close photo finish, I'll say that it finishes first because it's PG thirteen. Yeah. Um, and I'll say, ooh, that's I'm gonna say like uh, sixty one million. All right. And let's clarify: we're predicting. Okay. God, because it's a Memorial Day weekend too, so we get that Monday. Oh, forgot about Add that. Add another day. Add another day onto your guess. And a hangover will be no, on Thursday. I'm, 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 I'm stick with my guess: sixty one. Sixty one for the yeah. four day period. And Hangover gets a five-day yeah, I guess so, because it opens on Thursday now. All right, Scott? Well, I think they're cannibalizing each other in this world's stupidest face-off. <laughs> um, yeah, really, I'm, I'm, they're complete morons for opening against each other, but that's... Anyway, um, I think over four days, Fast and Furious 6 does about $75 million. If it were opening uncontested, it'd be looking at around 100 I think. Mm-hmm. Um... Hangover 2 was not particularly well-liked by anyone. Um, so I think Part 3 opens at a slight disadvantage. I'd say over five days, it does about 65. Well, no, that's over five days. Shit, this is hard. <laughs> well, you, you, you only need Fast and Furious, so you're set. You're set. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay, I, offhand, I'm going to say over the Friday to Sunday portion, let's just do that and cheat. Fast and Furious does about seventy-five million Friday to Sunday. Uh, Hangover does about fifty-five to sixty. Epic does about thirty. Hmm. But this is completely unscientific. Brenna, thoughts? Um, I Fast think Fury. that everybody is annoyed with the Hangover series. Uh, I don't. I, I mean, I think that them opening, like like Scott said, is opening them together is stupid. But I don't really think that the Hangover is going to be much competition because everybody's sick of seeing these guys they don't think that, I mean, it's not funny anymore they're sick of seeing the same thing even though this isn't the same thing it's completely different Say that. I don't know. which is the problem but um i think that everybody goes and sees fast and furious for more of the same thing they they want that they want big explosions and they know that they're going to get that and i think so that that's probably going to do a lot better and i'm going to say it's a little more optimistically 85 or 90 i think it's right. going to do better than hangover though okay all right I will say Fast Fast and Furious will open to first place, and I will say it does so at a... Jeez, you guys nailed them all. Not in 3D. Uh, thank <laughs> God. Um, <laughs> Who doesn't want to see the pics of Vin Diesel and The Rock in 3D, Aaron? Oh, my well, God. I, it's more the about... The Rock is so huge, it's ridiculous. It's the sweat of The Rock. <laughs> the sweat is coming right at you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll... <laughs> What if I just double down? What if I just say 83 again? And I'll do that. Oh, dude, there. do it. I'm doubling do it. down. Doubling down, guys. 83 bills. Let's Woo. see how that goes. All right. All right. We, we've done it. We've gotten to the end of the podcast. <laughs> After two hours. It was, it was a lengthy period of time, but we've, we've done it. It was the best of times and the worst. <laughs> so that is going to do it this week for Out Now Fair and Dave. You can find more of my work on my personal blog, thecodeazeek.com, where you can find all my written movie reviews, as well as at whysoblue.com for my Blu-ray reviews. You can also find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash aaronsps3. You can find more fun stuff at walrusmoose.blogspot.com and twitter.com slash walrusmoose. Scott Mendelson. 
Uh, well, I am trying my best to keep Mendelssohn's memo somewhat alive, but I've been doing a terrible job of it so far. Go to Forbes. A, that's where my stuff is, and B, if you click, I get more money. Woo! Yay. Brenna? Uh, you can see me talk about movies at Just Seen It, JustSeenIt.com, or on PBS on, I don't know, check your PBS local listings, you'll find <laughs> us there. Um, you can also find me on Twitter at BatBrenna. And do I have, oh right, and I write, uh, theater production reviews for Edge Media. So you can find me on there on edgeonthenet.com. Cool. You can find all the other episodes of Out Now with Aaron and Abe on IT. Well, most of, some of them. You can find a good chunk of episodes. The on latest Ite, ones. The latest ones. We're working on getting them all back up there soon enough. Um, you can also check out hhwlod.com. You can find our show there along with other shows, part of that podcast network that include the Walking Dead TV podcast, Leader to Dudes, and other fun Podcasts that have to do with comics and games and cool stuff like that. Outnow.podomatic.com. A lot of the episodes are located there and some exclusives. And, uh, yeah, the YouTube page. YouTube.com slash Podcast, where we have the main reviews of the films that we review every week if you don't want to listen to any of the side stuff. Uh, you can feel free to email us at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. Let us like. Let us know your thoughts on Star Trek Into Darkness. I'm, I'm sure that there are people that do, like, love, the, that absolutely love the film. I mean, They're going to tell you to give me the poster. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, do feel free to enter in our contest as well. Who's your favorite Star Trek character and why? Easy enough question, I think. Yeah. Uh, Facebook.com slash Podcast and Twitter.com slash underscore podcast. You could follow and like those pages and interact with us. We love having listener feedback and what have you, especially now because we have a whole segment devoted to the listeners. <laughs> but yeah, Scott. Brenna, thank you for joining us. Thank for this you both. Podcast session. Always thank you for pleasure. having us. May the force be with you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Said Gandalf. Played <laughs> <laughs> by Sir Patrick Stewart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Good> job, <Harry. laughs> Thanks, guys. But yeah, until next time. So long. And goodbye. Well. Talk a little spoilers for the Star Trek film. Here's my here's my first question. Why does he need the name John Harrison? Does ever I mean it's he's yeah. like 300 years old. Why is he not going around being called Khan? Well, like what what difference does that make? I think one of the things that they were so trying they can to do... hide the fact that he's Khan. Exactly. Well, yeah. Who 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 knows this? Who's the fans? Who's in the McDonald's thinking? Oh, he said his name was Khan. What? I've heard yeah. about this guy. Well. Uh, from what I've been told uh, from a Star Trek-y friend, it's season one is there's a, a rogue Starfleet officer, and that's kind of who 
they thought this was going to be, and then all of a sudden it's like, I'm Khan, and half the people in the theater start clapping, and I'm That's like, That's great for the theater, not... in the logic of this universe. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, who's running around, who's like, thinking about some guy that's 300 years old? That... Yeah. That's the thing, it's not no for one. them, it's for us. I also had an issue with the time, which is, uh, you know, you see London, 2255 or something like that, it's like, 300 years ago? What? He's like, how could that be a superior human being? That's like, now. So, <laughs> it's like, th- that doesn't make any sense. Um, I am. Um, you go. Yeah. No, no, go ahead. I forgot what I was going to say. Well, let's talk. Okay, let me talk about the panther. Oh, no, I, I remember what I said. Go. I wanted to say that I was very proud of myself because I, like every other human, predicted that he was con, but I predicted it based on what he said from the, from the trailer. When he said, oh. I'm better than you in every way, I was like, oh, that's because he's genetically modified. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, GMO. I mean, yeah, it, just, I, it just like felt corn. Just, it felt yeah. like watching Tally Al Ghul reveal that. Like it just didn't. It didn't register on to me. Yeah. it was like yeah, I, I, I get it. Yeah, all right. Yeah, <laughs> way to have an alias. Good I, I desperately wanted to see when the big reveal. You know, my name is Khan. To which Spock and Kirk look at each other and say, "Who? Khan? <laughs> Who? I'm a genetic <laughs> Superman. Don't you? I'm not in the history books. I have no <laughs> idea who you are." Yeah. And I don't care. I wanted yeah. to, them to say what they got, uh, what their crime that they were sentenced to death for was. Because, I mean, they say, oh, yeah, you guys are space Nazis. But <laughs> what specifically did they do that was Nazi-ish? What was well, they, they killed all the Romulans. No, I don't know. I think I had an issue with also the, the shortcut that they took, which is, hey, let me just pull up old Spock and figure everything oh. out. Don't tell me everything. <laughs> Like, they needed to work him in there somewhere. That's just not fair. They, like, they didn't, really. They could have just not they, had him. It, you know, I, I love, they wanted I, to have Leonard Nimoy in there, and that was the only way they could figure out how to do it. It seems more like Leonard Nimoy wanted to be in there. And They're so still, he giving, was. still giving the short end of the stick to, uh, to what's-his-face. That's, that's the moment where the Will movie... Shatner? Much, Will Shatner, yeah. That's the moment where the movie pretty much lost me. Because you're basically admitting that you have so failed to define Cumberbatch's character as this giant, horrible arch-villain, that you have to have Spock Prime come in and say, oh, yes, he's really, really evil. He's like the most evil, evildoer to ever be evil, ever. I'm so scared. Not only that, but then you also have them say, did we win? It's like, well, I can't tell you that, but I'll tell you anyway. It's like, yeah. What? Yeah. Um, It's like, you know, did you defeat him? Well, like, he didn't rule over my timeline, so probably yes. Like, well, I'm still alive. What do you yeah. <laughs> Ask um, stupid questions. No, I, I, stupid I'm, answers. <laughs> I'm sick of films that feel the need to have characters explain in detail how evil the villains are. You know, they did it at the know. end of Sherlock Holmes where, you know, you have Rich McAdams saying, you know, Moriarty is really super evil. He's like, he's just as smart as you, but he's evil. And then you have Michael Caine, <laughs> who apparently checked Bane's Facebook page in The Dark Knight Rises, explains, oh, he's so scary, the League of Shadows threw him out. He's oh. one badass that you just don't want to mess with. He's blocked I think on their they, Facebook think... feed. I think they're cheating. Yeah. I think they it think that oh, we're all. I think they think the audiences are all stupid and they won't get yes. it. We won't get it unless they telegraph it specifically. Exactly. Quite, and yeah. quite honestly, and yeah. I, I felt as though the part where he's like, "Oh, I'm not really John, whatever. I'm I'm Khan." And I was like, "Great! Now I have no reference to who this person is. I know who he is in general. Like, oh, yeah. he's 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 a, a, a arch nemesis or something like that. But then I'm really lost because I'm like, is he?" Like, gonna kill everybody? I don't really know where this storyline's going. And to me, that kind of pulled me out of the story a little bit, because it's like, 
okay, well, I just, I'm going to see him destroy everybody because apparently um, that's what Khan does. And now, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm really going to look forward to a part where someone shouts out Khan. And to re- quite honestly, when Zachary Quinto says that line, I, I kind of felt it was comical. No, that's the uh, worst part of the well, movie for me. Yes. Easily. That's, yeah, and that's that's the that's the issue I have with because you have this whole scene of Kirk sacrificing himself and then he puts up the hand on the glass like oh hey that's kind of neat I guess yeah and they do like, like the I'd imagine fan, fans fans are really into that it's like yeah okay but it's like a reversal and then yeah two seconds later it's cut and the theater erupted in laughter like, oh really Your yeah theater no, my theater my, my full IMAX theater erupted in laughter because it's ridiculous yeah. and it completely undercuts the drama of that scene that that's like I'd otherwise exactly. be into. I don't know, maybe I'm too irrational of a fangirl, but I thought that they could have fucked it up. Oops, sorry. No, that's okay. I thought they could have really, really messed it up, and I thought it wasn't as bad as it could have been. Yeah, that's true. They could have messed it up even more, but at the same time... I don't know how. (laughs) It was like, like, God, and then all of a sudden, like, Scott is just like, who? (laughs) (laughs) I I was, you know, when Khan gets, you know, revealed, and and the entire time I'm thinking of, and this is maybe an arcane reference... Uh, if you ever watch Justice League Unlimited, there's this great bit where Flash and Lex Luthor switch places. They switch brains. Don't ask. Just go with it. <laughs> and there's this great bit where Flash, Lex Luthor in Flash's body, runs into a restroom and unmasks Flash. And then is confused because he has no idea who the heck Wally West is. So it means nothing to him. Oh. And to everybody in this – I mean it's, it's – I ruined the joke, but it's very funny in the show. You know, <laughs> he, you know, I will learn who the Flash is now. He unmasks. I have no idea who this is. Um, <laughs> and that's how the, the movie feels. Because, again, you know, I am Khan, and there's no frame of reference. Me too. Because yeah, in that's, the that's Star exactly, Trek universe... That's exactly my point. Yeah. Khan isn't this giant, awesome, mega supervillain. He just happens to be the villain who's in a story where old Kirk comes to term with his mortality, mm-hmm. more or less. You know, it could have been any villain. I mean, yeah, it kind of matters because, you know, they have a history together. They both, you know, they're both kind of old, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But it doesn't have to be Khan for the Wrath of Khan to play out as it does. Mm-hmm. So I, I think there's a huge misunderstanding, intentional or otherwise, of the fact that, you know, Khan isn't the Joker of the Star Wars universe. Or, the, excuse me, the you know, the Star Ooh. Trek universe. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's understandable J.J. <laughs> Abrams made a Star Wars movie. Trailer. Exactly. You know, he's not the Joker or the Green Goblin of the Star Trek universe. He's just the villain in one of the better Star Trek movies. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of what um, makes him that. I mean, that's why it makes him yeah. more well-known is because it's in yeah. the one that's not horrible. And, and I would argue right. the only thing interesting about Khan is that Ricardo Montalban... Did I mispronounce that? I apologize. Montalban. Yeah, Montalban is a very good actor who gives a very distinctive performance as a character who otherwise would be a genetic, you know, a generic supervillain. Mm-hmm. I have to say, as much as I love Benedict Cumberbatch and love his performance and didn't think that there was enough of him, I, I, I have a problem if you're going to have somebody who's as amazing an actor as Benedict Cumberbatch and not use more. But yes. regardless, mm-hmm. if one of my biggest issues here is that Khan is... He's a smart villain. He's really, really smart. And we hardly ever get actors and characters of color who are smart villains. Yes, You usually right. get them as being dumb or animalistic or they're just blundering or they're buff. Right. We don't really allow characters, villains of color to be actually threatening due to high levels of intelligence. And that was kind of what was so special about Ricardo Montalban and what was so about everything that Roddenberry did because he was way ahead of his time with his diversity. Yep. And to go and have, you know, 
Uhura and Sulu be it, and then, you know, our five minutes of Mickey. Um, it's, it's kind of insulting to that. It's, it's the same, the same problem I had with casting Tom Hardy as Bane is that character of color. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and you're going to remove that out, that outlet for diversity to, to cast. Yeah, it's, 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 you know, it's race bending, it's called basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, not only, yeah, and that was the funny thing is the only reason they were able to get away with keeping people in the dark about who Khan was is they, or if it was Khan, was they cast the whitest white guy humanly possible to play <laughs> a character who was supposed to be, I believe, Indian played by a Hispanic man, <laughs> which might be troubling on its own, but that's neither here nor there. They should have um, just passed and casted, uh, Ben Kingsley. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. He was busy uh, having, going, going, uh. Pretending to be the Mandarin? No, he's full Tyson in Ender's oh. Game. Oh, yes. oh, right. Oh, right. yeah. Full, full Tyson. <laughs> it's like, you know, it, it's everybody pretty much found figured out that it was going to be Khan once Benicio Del Toro was rumored to be cast, but then turned it down. Interesting. Yeah. And the insult, you know, so we've known for like two, three years. I feel like and, that would have been so much more interesting, too. As much yeah, as, like, well, it's like, I mean. like there's only one Hispanic actor you can think of to cast. Like, oh, he turned it down. Let's go to a white guy. You know, I... Uh, <laughs> You know, I, 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 you know, Damien like, Bacar, yeah. if I pronounce that right, from yeah, a, a better life. Yeah. Um, it's almost like a cat or uh, hiring football coaches in America. It's like, oh yeah, we hired a, a, a candidate of color. It's like, no, nah, we're still going to go with a white guy though. Yeah. Like, we did it, but you know, it's like, a, so it's, it's really interesting the way that it kind of plays out throughout a different yeah. level of a uh, entertainment. I mean, it's, a, it's a big if, problem. It's, I mean, it, it, it's whitewashing. The problem itself is whitewashing. But that's yeah. the level of of the problem where we cannot have intelligent villains be of color. Yes. There's the two problems that I have with it, even though I I am shamelessly in love with Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> well, and frankly, I was surprised by how little he spoke in the film. Most yeah. of his dialogue is, you know, evil, you know, monologuing 101. For, most of it, you heard in the trailer. Right. So, you know, why cast an actor with as distinct vocals as Benedict Cumberbatch and not let him talk? You know, yeah. that's as du- that's as dumb as, you know, Spielberg casting John Hurt as a mute. Um You think you're safe. <laughs> you are that's not. Already, that's uh, already half his lines. Yeah, I wanna much. say that they also considered uh Jordi Moya and Edgar Ramirez and mm-hmm. Demian Bahir. Bahir, yeah. Yeah. They they considered and, all of them for also for Khan, but they still ended up going with Gumbo and, that. I have a tough time believing that they all turned this down. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think already. Yeah, it's like, you know, we have so many opportunities. You know, people are just dying to give us big roles in blockbuster films. So we're just going to pass on playing Khan in a Star Trek film. Yeah, give it to the dragon. Give it to Star. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> give it to that British white guy who played Sherlock on BBC. He's so good at it. Yeah. But on a side note, one of the things that uh, I was trying to bring up earlier was uh, – well, Aaron, you brought it up in terms of. I'm just going to reference this every time now, which is the um, the uh, Stellan Skarsgård uh, act, which is Peter <laughs> Weller. Which is yeah, yeah, you you have Peter Weller in the film. There's only one reason why you have a, a name such as Peter Weller as an admiral. Well, it's not even the name. It's it's the fact that it's him. It's yeah, Peter Weller, yeah, whose only good whose only good guy role is RoboCop. Everything Robocop. else he <laughs> is is a villain. That's all his yeah. roles. Like, well, yeah. And he seems so obviously to be a villain. Like, yeah. Yeah. the second he walks on screen. I mean, come on. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's the irony, is all the hubbub about the mystery box and we can't tell you anything. If you have any semblance of understanding about how movies work, the film is very predictable. Yeah. Now, yeah. that's not a bad thing. I mean, obviously... 
Peter Weller plays the character he plays for very specific reasons in the story. Again, getting into the politics and, you know, torpedoes equals drones, you know, what have you. Um, And, but again, you know, it's a very predictable film. In fact, you know, ironically, the way it was advertised was so generic, predictable, dark sequel that something that I was expecting to happen didn't happen, which is, you know, and I've been joking about this for, you know, almost a year. You know, I was a little sad that Khan did not plan to get caught the entire time. <laughs> I was totally expecting that. For the first too. shot of him in the plastic prison. Um, Especially when he's not like, how many missiles do you, or how many torpedoes do you have? 72. Yes. All right, I'm going with you. It's like, now, to be fair, well, that's his plan. He, <laughs> he did knowingly surrender and use his captivity to his advantage. He did right? that. So yeah, it's, he, eh, but it's it not the same thing. It wasn't something he planned on doing, though. Like, yeah. that's, yeah. Um, it doesn't quite count. I'm holding on O for Smurfs, too. Yeah. <laughs> I um I, I agree that it's also very predictable. The moment they mentioned radioactive with the um yeah. with the warp drive, I was like, oh, I totally know. And then when it happened, I, I was being fangirl all over the place. But I <laughs> saw it coming a mile away. Oh, when they showed yeah. up that that furry thing that Bones has, yeah. and it's like uh, I'm trying to use this tribble. blood to, so it's tribble. Right, to heal it. Tribble. That's yeah. called the tribble. Okay. God, what's wrong with you? That's like <laughs> that's the most identifiable thing. But you know, I have to. Fr- I saw is it? Is that the most identifiable thing? A tribble? I don't know what the hell a tribble is. I don't know what a Vulcan is. I don't know what a tribble is. <laughs> <laughs> I well, think it's pretty identifiable. But I had. I was when I saw it with my friend. She turned to me and, and the, she said something that I, I felt was uh, very accurate for this: is that I don't care that Kirk is dead because I know they're going to use his blood. There's right. no. There's no emotional weight here. Yeah, there. It kind of gets washed away when. Uh, yeah, Bones is there, just like, oh, I'm sad, and it's like. There's a tribble clearly right there, right next to you. Yeah, that you just well, injected this bl- magic blood into. And so, see, th- I mean, it's, yeah. it's one thing to know automatically. You know that the good guy is going to win. You just know yeah. that. And quite honestly, like, stuff. I had forgotten about that whole entire, you know, blood stuff uh, in the beginning of the film when, when the guy's daughter gets saved, the cameo that you talked about, Brenna. It's like, yeah. oh, I totally, I totally forgot all about that. And then if they had kind of cut it off, uh, Scott, this is what we were talking about earlier, if they had kind of cut it off kind of right where the climax of the film uh, goes and it kind of just fades into dark or it kind of shows um, John, I keep on wanting to call him John Benjamin, <laughs> but uh, when uh, Ben and Cumberbatch character kind of just runs away or something like that, that would have been an interesting ending. But I see your point as to what would the third one be? It'd just be like a huge revenge flick for two hours. That'd be, that'd be kind of boring and tedious. Oh, last, last, uh, last thought um, before we just move on, because we've been doing this a lot of time. It, if you need super strong blood, was it really imperative that Spock get Khan's blood and not just one of the like the seventy two frozen exactly guys that's right said. next to him? <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Like, I, like, I, exactly what I said, but I think uh, one of the reasons why, I mean, besides they might not have thought about it when they were writing it, but I think like if I were to justify it in the story that exists, I would think that they wouldn't want to have to deal with two of them in case this one also well, got out. Wake them up from their coma or whatever. Just like, hey, let's stick a needle That's in here, grab some blood, and put it if in. They here. could wake them up to take them out of the to take them out of the pod to put Kirk right, in the pod. They could have right. who, needs to, who needs to be woken up? Like, let's just hey, let's use our space needles to go through the ice or whatever they're preserved in and. <laughs> Well, they, they took one of them out of the tubes and kept them in a coma to put and, Kirk in there. And induced coma to put Kirk in there, yeah. right. All right. Um, one well, last thing. No, go, oh, ahead. go ahead, Scott. Well, I think it was one of the problems. Even if you didn't remember the whole, you know, healing blood stuff, and to be honest, I didn't remember it until about a couple minutes before the film remembered it. So, yeah. But even there, I'm watching Kirk die, and I'm thinking, they're not going to go through with this because this is 
part two of it. You know, again, it's franchise-itis where you know yeah. that certain things can't happen because you know there's going to be another movie. You know, yeah. I mean, it's, it's when Iron Man went up to stop the nuclear missile at the end of the Avengers, you knew he wasn't going to die because he's Iron Man. This I knew he wasn't going to die because I kept yeah. seeing Hulk catch him in the trailer. Well, that too. <laughs> um, There's but, you more know, problems with our trailers. Com- comparatively, you know, I mean, I have my issues with The Dark Knight Rises, but when Batman gets into his Batwing and goes off into the, you know, to blow up, they go, okay, they maybe are going to do this because yeah. there's no other movies after this. Yeah. Or even, you know, to go back to a movie, you know, next week, you know, Fast Five at the end of that film, even though later I realized it couldn't make sense because of continuity, you know, the film takes place before, before part three. Fair enough, when, I've discussed that in, in huge detail. Yeah. Well, in part, the end of part five, when Vin Diesel makes what might be a suicide run, I'm thinking, oh my god, they're gonna kill him. This is, you know, part five of an ongoing franchise. It kind of feels like the end of the franchise to a certain extent, and I believe that. I believe yeah. that fake out. But I didn't believe for one second that Kirk was going to stay dead, even without the giant clue of the radioactive blood or whatever, because that's, you know, they they are unwilling or unable to do that because of the needs of the franchise outweigh the needs of the individual story. <laughs> thank, two, thank you. Two final <laughs> thoughts that I had was uh, one of them was uh, Scott, to your point. Yeah, that's why I had no feelings at all when Gwyneth Paltrow falls into a fiery pit. In yes. Iron yeah, three. None. And Not then uh, the last one was, I really enjoyed that Vulcan death neck pinch thing that, that Spock did. So let's, like, but, let's, let's all spoil something good about this movie since we've been talking about like, no, I yeah. feel like I've dragged you to under the dark side of Star Trek when I haven't tried to. Because I, <laughs> I would like people to generally enjoy a movie more than just hate something. Because I, yeah. I didn't try but to no, hate I, I enjoyed stuff. it because it's like it's, it showed how superior uh, Cumberbatch's character was. Like, he just... Yeah, that didn't really work on him, even though he was in intense pain. I liked how, yeah, they. Kept... Or the phase, or the phasers. Yeah, the phasers. It oh, it didn't stun him. him. I forgot about that. Yeah. I liked, I liked um, Spock's use of the mind meld to stop uh, oh. Khan from like from crushing his head because he felt the same pain that he was. Like yeah. that's clever. Yeah. That, that that like generally made me smile, and I was like, yes. Yeah. That, that, that entire fun. fight scene was pretty. It was was. Awesome. Well, when he when he punched him for like the fiftieth time, I was like, all right, come on, let's go. let's get out of this. Guy's I don't know. Head. I like seeing them both. The heat of the moment. Oh, it's gotcha. weird seeing socks bangs like running through the streets. <laughs> I like the fact that Kirk doesn't get fired from Starfleet, dead or not, for basically allowing Khan to kill a million people at the end of the film. <laughs> right, destroying like all of you know, San Francisco. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, but, you know, obviously Abrams is going for a 9/11 parable, but he knocked over like 10 buildings in the middle right. of the day. You know, they probably have a body count of you know around 100,000 people. Because you disobeyed Starfleet orders to kill this guy. Now, again, you're dealing with, you know, extrajudicial executions, blah, blah, blah. But again, in the real world, he disobeyed orders. This guy pulled off a genocide. Well, his, his, order yeah, was, was... His, his order was given by the guy who's the bad guy. I mean... Well, but it's still a Starfleet order. You could, you know, it's... it's, it's... Oh, you're saying that Bush is a good guy? <laughs> he, well... He was a bad guy who had a secret space camp out in Jupiter that Those nobody knew Those coordinates are accurate, by the way. What was that? Those coordinates are accurate. Those oh, are the coordinates cool. for the moon of Ju- one of Jupiter's moons. Oh, cool. Um, but no, I mean, for the logic of the film, there would have been huge consequences for that. But it's yeah. no one even notices that Khan just, you know, blew up 12 buildings. You know, in the beginning of the film, we're all, oh, my God, he blew up a single laboratory and shot six or seven people. That's what? horrible. That's... But at the end of the film, he does something far, far worse, and no one cares. Not, not a lot of defense, apparently, on Earth when it comes to ships crashing that you yeah, pretty much in the future. Um. But, um, like, and again, like if you have something called Starfleet, you'd think they'd kind of be able to detect 
a ship crash landing into San Francisco, but I guess that wasn't the uh, not the case. But no, I mean, I, I think other than the last twenty minutes, which I believe again are are very bad fan service, I think the film is actually you know very very good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there is a version of this film that doesn't spend twenty minutes reenacting the end of Wrath of Khan that probably is much better. I Where, uh, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, no, that's that's all I've got. Okay, I was gonna say that in conclusion, um, I will admit, I, I admit that there's problems with this film. I admit that the fan service got a little ridiculous, but I'll also be the first to admit that I am a ridiculous fangirl, and it is a weakness of mine. And I giggled at the fan service. I enjoyed the fan service, um, mainly because I like these actors who are who are performing the fan service and. Um, I, I like I like seeing it done again and being like ah, um, but I'll admit that it's still problematic. All the fan service is still it's an excuse to not have to do any work. Yes, but I still enjoyed the easy way out, uh, even it, though it's it, a problem. Uh, yeah, you're right. It, it felt it felt lazy. You know, mm-hmm. it's like oh, who should we have for the villain? Uh, Khan. Oh, okay, Khan. Yeah, but people still oh. like sluts, and they're easy. So. <laughs> and on that note <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to blame all my problems on Alice Eve I'll just do that. Okay, do that and that's where we'll leave it thank you for sticking around for spoilers thanks guys Interesting. Mainly because of mainly because of a scene that has John Harrison like badassing of two guns at the same time taking down spaceships and Klingons. <laughs> it's like just like just like oh, just you. like Asian Jim Sturgis does in Cloud Atlas. That is the true true. <laughs> Scott Mendelson, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs>